Okay, before I get to my next guest, Bob Ford, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And they're offering 10% off their brand new range of training aids. I visited their booth and loved their breaking ball putting mat, which allows you to practice breaking putts at home on a traditional putting mat. I've got mine right here in my studio. They've just launched their own golf glove, and they're offering Next on the Tee listeners 10% off the whole range. Use code CHRIS10 for 10% off. That offer expires March 31st of this year. Check out their great array of training aids online at meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabric. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors ever and a living legend in our game, and that's Bob Ford. Bob has been a great player and instructor for over five decades. He grew up in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, played his college golf at the University of Tampa from 1971 to 1975. He was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. He was also inducted into the allegheny Kiski Valley Sports Hall of Fame in 1996. He was inducted into the Western Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame a couple years later in 1998 and in the PGA Professional Hall of Fame in 2005. Bob was the head professional at both Oakmont Country Club and Seminole Golf Club, two of the top courses in the world. As a player, Bob won the Pennsylvania Open three times. He played in three U.S. Opens and 10 PGA Championships. He was the 2017 Bobby Jones Award recipient, which is presented annually to the individual who demonstrates the spirit, professional character, and respect for the game exhibited by Bobby Jones. And I am very honored. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Well, Chris, uh, I appreciate you having me. It, it's hard to uh, follow Tom Patrick. I know Of course that. it is. But uh, well, we'll do our best. Yeah, I, th- I think you're the man for it, but not everyone could be that guy. So I appreciate you giving it your effort there, Bob. Well, thanks, uh, Chris. Bob, it was a huge honor to get to have lunch with you. Tom Patrick set that up. Very grateful to both Tom and you for having lunch with me. One of the days they're at the PGA Merchandise Show. Dennis Walters was also there. So again, thank you for that. When you were at the show, though, did anything new grab your attention? While you were there, uh, Chris, uh, you know, I would say that 
you know, it was kind of the first full show after COVID. And uh, I would say I was really pleased with the energy there. And, uh, you know, the uh, the number of people that were there, I thought it was, uh, you know, wasn't quite like a record setting back in the old days, but uh, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, I hope that it uh, continues and, and stays in Orlando, uh, you know, selfishly. And Bob, obviously, all the talk around the game right now is the USGA and the RNA wanting to roll the golf ball back. Tom just read me the riot act for how how foolish I am because I think they should do it. He completely disagrees with me. I wanted to get your thoughts. What did you think about when that came out? Good idea, bad idea? Well, Chris, uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's enough. I think, uh, you know, you know, the arguments, uh, I love both sides of the arguments. You know, the game's in a great place. Why are we messing with it? Uh, golf's never been better. COVID had a lot to do with that, but the PGA Tour has a lot to do with that. And they've, um, you know, they've come out and done some great things uh, going forward. They have, you know, Mr. Mickelson and Mr. Norman to thank for that, I think, because I don't think it would have happened without what they did, uh, you know, with the live issues. But, uh, you know, I wish they had done this sooner, back obviously in the turn of the century, and I wish they had done a little more. Uh, you know, I think that what we're doing is kind of a, uh, you know, a flea on, a, on, a, on an elephant. You know, I just think it's just not even, it's not even a scratch. It's not even a dent. And, what, uh, what more do you think they should be doing? Well, I think they should have... Uh, you know, made the length of the club 45 inches should have been the, you know, the maximum length of it, not 46. I think they should have reduced the head size to 300 cc's uh, like it was at the turn of the century. Uh, not that these guys still wouldn't hit at 350, but uh, and then, you know, really make make the make a big change to the golf ball, make it spin a lot more. And, uh, you know, I just think you know, 17 yards on a 370 yard drive just isn't, you know, it's just not doing good. You mentioned uh, the golf ball. One of the things that uh, Tom and I talked about was the Bellotta golf ball that, that he used as, you know, in college. And I remember playing the Bellotta golf ball back in the day versus the golf ball today. Give our listeners a sense from, from your perspective, how much different is the golf ball now? Well, it's, it's totally different. I mean, totally different. You know, I, you know, we, we've all gone out and taken our persimmon drivers and tried to hit this golf ball, and we hit low line drives that go about 200 before they dive to the ground. But uh, you know, I, you know, all of us old guys would say, you know, it was really, it was a lot harder to hit a Bellotta ball with a persimmon driver. When we pick our persimmon drivers up now, they look like five woods. They're so small compared to what we're hitting with now. And believe me, you know, none of us in my age bracket, uh, you know, want to go back to that. And we don't want to, you know, we certainly don't want to use lose yardage. And I know that uh, the, the ball change is not going to affect us, which is great. You know, now instead of hitting it 100 bias, they're only going to hit, it, you know, 93 yards bias. So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it, you had to hit it in the middle of the face. You really did. And, and today's, equipment today's drivers you know you know you got to hit it in the middle of the face too i mean you watch these guys you know you watch 
Jordan Spieth come into 16 down there in Tampa and hit it in the middle of a lake. I mean, I don't know that he spun it much, but I mean, it's not like it's, uh, you know, like you just swing as hard as you want and you hit it straight and you hit it 350 yards. It, that really still isn't isn't happening. Uh, you know, you still have to hit it in the middle of the face with a good golf swing. And uh, the Scotty Scheffler looks like he's figured it out. He looks like he's an incredible driver of the ball and uh, just doesn't look like he has a weakness. So we're, you know, pretty excited about what's going to go on up in Georgia here in a couple of weeks. Bob, when you go out and play now, I'm just curious, do you hit the golf ball just as far now as you used to 20, 30 years ago when you were using the persimmon woods and the Balata golf ball? Has the equipment allowed you to hit the ball the same distance now, 20 or 30 years later? Well, yeah, I, I guess I would say that, uh, yeah, at my age, that the, the new equipment has allowed me to play the game not too far from where I played it from, you know, growing up. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's been an incredible, uh, you know, positive for my age age group to, uh, you know, still be able to hit the ball up in the air. I remember when I got to Oakmont, particularly, uh, you know, I was 21 back in 75 and, and uh you know, the guys that were in their 60s in that era, they couldn't make the ball go up in the air. You know, they just kind of hit 180-yard line drives and kind of into the ground and hit it about 200 yards. Uh, and it was it was really different. They had, a, you know, we, we've, uh, it's been a big benefit for my age group, group, that's for sure. And Bob, you mentioned the live players. And, and one of the things that they're foregoing is the opportunity to be in the history books, at least for the guys that haven't won a major yet. And I hear young people now talking about why should they care about history? Look at all the money they got. I have a hard time with that. Does history matter? Does history still matter? Well, it matters to a lot of us. It doesn't matter to the guys that were offered a hundred million. You know, my, my wife's got a great saying, you know, she says, you know, it's really sad. All he has left is money. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's 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 a hurtful saying, but it's very true. And uh, I know these guys are having a lot of buyer's remorse. And uh, you know, quite frankly, I would be shocked. Really, I know this is really out there, Chris, but I would be shocked if uh, if Liv still plays in twenty twenty four. I'll be shocked. I think I think they're on the verge of disaster. And if that happens, if you were the PGA Tour commissioner, would you allow? the live players to come back? And if you would, would you want them to do something first, like go back through Corn Ferry Tour or Monday Qualify? What would you want them to do in order to come back and be a part of the PGA Tour again? Well, Chris, you know, I've given that some thought. I'm not the commissioner and I, I don't have an open line to, uh, to Jay Monahan, but, uh, you know, my heart goes out to those guys. Uh, you know, I, if if they indeed fold, if the tour goes away and they have nowhere to play, um, you know, I would like to see the tour bring them back, bring the ones that are exempt, you know, still have an exemption like Dustin Johnson. He's got a lifetime exemption to play the PGA Tour because he's won 20 times out there. So I'd like to see Justin come back. Um, you know, the timing of it, I'm not so sure about. I've heard different things that uh, you know, it's going to be a five-year hiatus before they allow them to come back. I heard they're going to make them make some monetary um, donations to get back on the tour. I've heard a lot of different things, but you know, at the end of the day, if if they're exempt, I'd like to see them come back and play our tour. I never wanted to see them leave. A couple of them, I'm kind of happy about, you know, selfishly. But 
most of them are good guys, and uh, you know, I'd like to see them back. Bob, I want to switch gears for a minute here. And Shane Ryan wrote an article for Golf Digest titled "The Club Pro Crisis," and it's about how the golf boom that's come about since the pandemic has come at a cost on the work-life balance for our local PGA professionals. Seth Waugh, the PGA of America CEO, spoke about it at their annual meeting back in November of 2021. What do you think they need to do so we don't run off the folks that I think are the lifeblood of golf? Chris, uh, yeah, I I think to some degree um, things need to change. We're obviously in a terrible situation, not only in golf, but, you know, you go to McDonald's, they can't get help at McDonald's. They can't get restaurant help. They can't get a lot of, you know, service type help. So, you know, we're not alone in our issues. And, you know, I would, I do tell, I've told, I told the guys last Monday in the Tri-State PGA's uh, spring meeting, I said, you know, if you're working for me and you're looking for a 40, a 40 hour week job, you know, you probably ought to go somewhere else. I don't think golf's for you. I, I, I wouldn't let somebody come to work for me thinking he's only going to work 40 hours. I'd be doing him a disservice, me a disservice and our members at the service. So, um, you know, whether you're, whether you're selling golf, you're in a, a golf professional, whether you're selling insurance, whether you're an attorney, you know, successful people work hard. And, uh, you know, particularly in your 20s and 30s and 40s. And 60, 70 hour work weeks are pretty normal, um, you know, for people that are more skilled, more highly paid. And, uh, you know, it's just not the golf industry is not looking for 40 hour a week people, in my opinion. Bob, I want to go back in your career. When you were hired as an assistant pro at Oakmont back in 1975, I read that you lived on the third floor of the clubhouse among what I have to imagine is a great deal of fantastic memorabilia. It had to be like being a kid in a candy store for what you must have seen when you were up there. What was that like for you? And what were some of the things you found when you went up there? (laughs) Well, it's uh, it's a great memory for me. I lived in the uh, top floor that was uh, the third floor that was looking down on the ninth putting green at Oakmont. And uh, we, you know, we had an old curmudgeon caddy master back in that era named Joe Stoner. And when I got down from my first day at work, he said, uh, you sleeping in the clubhouse? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, what room are you? Well, I'm on the corner there, on the third floor overlooking the, the uh, putting green. He said, yeah, that, that was Sophie's room. You know, and I'm just kind of, I'm curious. So I said, uh, well, who was Sophie? She worked in the laundry. Okay. And I kind of left it at that. And he walked away, kind of shuffled away and turned back. He said, those, uh, you know, those water pipes up there above your bed there, she hung herself from those pipes. Oh, my. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm like, you got me. So I didn't sleep for a couple nights. And, I bet. You know, thinking, thinking about the sprinklers system up there with the pipes. I finally went to him and said, uh, you know, what? tell me a little bit more about Sophie. And he said, uh, no, I'm just busting you. I, I'm just teasing you. So I had a couple sleepless nights over Sophie. Then he, <laughs> he said, but you did look between the mattress for the money she saved, right? <laughs> of course, I had to look there too. <laughs> he was bad. He was he was a tough guy. But uh, no, it, you know, the memorabilia, you know, Jack Druga was, uh, one of my assistants and he lived up on the third floor and he was back by the attic where, where there was a bunch of stuff where I was, there really wasn't any memorabilia. And he uncovered a picture, actually a blown up picture 
from the 27 U.S. Open with Bobby Jones putting on the putting green, or actually putting on the, to the ninth green hole. Mr. Phones was holding the pin for him, and there were, you know, gallery everywhere. There were, you know, suits and ties and hats in the gallery. And uh, we, it, right now, today, it, it hangs behind our bar uh, down in the, uh, the Champions Grill. And it, it's a fascinating picture. It's, you know, it's helped us with our restorations uh, of the golf course. And, you know, there's no trees out there to be found. And it's just an extraordinary picture. And, uh, yeah, Jack uncovered that. And, you know, they cleaned it all up and made it look nice. It's, it's quite a piece. Bob, just a couple more before I let you go. And when you qualified for the 1983 U.S. Open, I read that you learned a technique from a hypnotist to help you clear your mind and prepare yourself for competition. What was that like? What what they teach you? Well, it's, a, it's another interesting story, Chris. You know, I, I'd gone down to see her. I, you know, I struggled with com, compartmentalizing, you know, my life with, uh, you know, the family and running the open and doing the merchandising and trying to play. And, you know, I, I felt like I needed some help. I know Jim Free was a member of my section and a good friend of mine. I know he just passed away. God bless him. But, uh, you know, he, he had done some hypnosis with uh, Randy Warren there in Pittsburgh. And uh, so I went to see this girl in Oak Mountain. She had me uh, hypnotized. And my deal was that when I got to the first tee, I was getting out of an elevator. And once that elevator door closed, bang, I was going to play golf. And that's all I had on my mind. And when I signed my scorecard, I was back, you know, I was back on the elevator and back in the clubhouse and my golf shop uh, to run my golf shop. So it, you know, it worked. Uh, you know, when I got on the golf course, I really didn't think much about the golf, you know, the golf operation. And in fact, Jack Druger, again, my buddy, he kind of took care of things for me. And uh, but lo and behold, a couple months later, I kept using her throughout the summer and I had a great summer plan and uh, I called her before the state open and um, I got an answering machine that said that she was in South Carolina on vacation for a couple of weeks. And I hung up and I sat down, I started shaking, I started sweating. And right then and there, I said, this is it. I can't, I'm done. I'm never going to call her again in my life and uh, wean myself off of her. And that was, that's kind of the end of the story. Bob, looking ahead a couple of years, we got the 2025 U.S. Open is going to be back there at Oakmont. You're going to go back up for the event and, and, and be a spectator and check it out? Or is it one of those situations where if you're on property, you're working? Well, no, yeah. I mean, you know, I retired after the 16 Open and, uh, and I joined Oakmont as a member. So I go back every summer for five months and uh, I spend my winters down here in, in Jupiter. But uh, I am now the official starter for the U.S. Open. This will be about my seventh year doing that. So in 25, I'm going to be on the first tee, calling the names for the players. And uh, it's it's really been a blast, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. One more, Bob, and I got to get your thoughts. Baseball season's about to start. Are the Pirates ever going to be competitive again, Bob? Did Patrick put you up to that to ask me that to <laughs> upset me? Are you kidding me? We have the worst owner in baseball, in the history of baseball. They're, they're the worst. It's just, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how they can ever show their face. It's amazing. It's a yeah. disgrace. Disgrace to our city. Yep. Couldn't agree more to that. Bob, before I let you go, is there any way for our listeners to stay up to date with what you're doing? 
Are you on? Are you out anywhere on social media? Chris, I don't. I don't. I let Patry do that, and uh, <laughs> I'm retired. I'm enjoying life uh, here in Jupiter, and then in the summers at Oakmont, I play a lot of golf. I love it. I stink, but I love to play. I'm about. Uh, Patry and I play about even now, which is really embarrassing. Oh my goodness! Really embarrassing, and uh, but no, it's. Uh, I, I love it. I love the game. I love the people. It's been my life, and uh, and I I owe everything I have to golf. So. Get back, get back every chance I can. Well, Bob, it's always a huge thrill getting to have you as part of the show, a privilege every time you join. And, I, and I'm and i so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I got to meet you in person at the Merchandise Show and, and sit down and have lunch with you. And uh, I hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again sometime real soon. Chris, thanks. Thanks for what you do for the game and, uh, and, and all your professionalism. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thank you. That's the great Bob Ford, folks. They don't come greater or better than that man. He has taught and helped so many people how to be a great PGA professional. His teaching tree is tall and wide, and you can see why he's a living legend in our game. We need more people like Bob Ford, not just in our game, but in our world. Uh, huge respect for Bob Ford and really looking forward to having him back on the show again, hopefully sometime later on this summer. Okay, before I get to my next guest, John Hughes, I want to remind you about the folks over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelgolf.com. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried squares? Try the new speed bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z. Dot com. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors in our game, and that's John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He's been teaching the game for almost 30 years. He's worked with everyone from beginners all the way up to tour pros. John is one of the very few PGA Master Professionals and a top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. John was named the 2023 North Florida PGA Section Teacher of the Year. The Golf Range Association of America named him a Top 100 Growth of the Game instructor. And in 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. He is the honorary president of the North Florida PGA section. And I had the privilege of meeting John in person this year at the PGA Merchandise Show. And I'm very excited that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, thanks for coming back on the show. 